Every story needs a hero, and every story needs a villain. When we can't bear to feel whatever it is that is hurting us, we disassociate it and bury it, shove it into a pot, and put the lid on as tight as we can. Often we do this as children, when our coping skills and understanding are not fully developed. Often we do this as children, when our coping skills and understanding are not fully developed and our containers for the emotions we feel are underdeveloped, leaving us prone to throwing ourselves down on the floor, screaming and kicking. Later in life, when something comes along that reminds us of what is inside that pot, we immediately push that lid down harder. It becomes a pressure cooker, not because the contents of the pot get hotter, but because over the years, we develop an entire repertoire of ways to keep the lid on that pot, and we press and press until it's ready to explode. That is a uh, little bit from Dottie Easton out of the book Safe, Sane, and Consensual. The whole chapter in here on shadow play for the BDSM community, but it is a very apt description of what shadow work is and how it affects us as children. You might ask yourself, now as an adult, when you do things that seem out of sorts, that are negative patterns, bad habits that you feel like you just can't shake, ask yourself, why am I like this? Or why do I fear this? Why does this thing scare me? Or why am I afraid? Generally, when people think of childhood trauma, the situations that are the first to feed the shadow, people think of things like assault or abuse, tragedy, death. And more often than not, those are giant contributors. It's the stuff that nightmares are essentially made of. Complex trauma is a different beast altogether. It's more of a slow roasting of a child's mind and emotion. And it can impact a person just as severe. For a child, things that didn't happen also can lead to this. As to where abuse can lead to it. Neglect not being shown proper love or given room for emotion can be just as damaging and have the same intensity. The effects of it, the darkness of it can breed inside children that later manifest itself in the adult life and the ways it can do that are endless. It can root itself deep into the body and manifest as chronic illness. It can affect a person in their relationship with their sexuality. It can affect a person's perception of time even and reality if that trauma is not managed. So this episode is going to be a little like story time. 
because everything kind of worked in a sequence of putting this episode together and this specific topic. One thing I read led to another, talking with one friend, sharing that with another friend led to hearing their story. All three stories have very similar roots, but how they affected the people in their adult lives are very different with the end result, kind of like a cause and effect. So I guess it is story time, and this is how it goes. There's this great book called Sexual Outsiders by Dr. David Ortman. He's a psychologist. And in the book, there is probably one of the best chapters of a book that I've ever read. And it deals with a young man named Darren. Now, Darren is a successful professional adult male who has a vocal stutter or stammer while publicly speaking. During his sessions with Ortman, he had trouble fully opening up about the whys and his past, and it left Dr. Ortman very frustrated. Eventually, Darren exclaimed that he was also frustrated that he couldn't open up about things quite yet, and that he didn't have a voice. Now, the following session, Darren brought a woman friend, Alicia, and they were able to open up about their sex life and how great it was, but when Alicia would slap Darren's ass during sex, it caused him to have an emotional breakdown of biblical proportions. And during the session, it brought out his stutter while trying to explain this to Dr. Ortman for the first time in person. When Darren fully admitted to the caused this being abuse from his mother. Now, during the sessions, Darren could not speak about his mother without the stammer getting in in the way and getting very extreme, so Alicia would have to finish and explain the story for Darren. Early on in Darren's life, his dad left him when he was around seven, and his relationship with his mom was at first very good as they leaned on each other, but eventually... Around the age of 12, his mother started looking at Darren as a younger version of his father, or her husband, I should say. And then the psychological abuse started. And this is where Darren's mother would force him to strip down naked, and she would force him to bend over and spank him extremely hard. And the more he cried and screamed, the more she would belittle him and tell him to stop crying, because that was not what a man would do. This was around the same time that his vocal stammer started to develop as a young adult. This is when his voice started disappearing. These sessions of abuse continued until he went through a growth spurt and became about 6'2", around the age of 17. But the damage was already done. His voice was suppressed due to the abuse, and it stayed with him until he was an adult. Now, eventually, Dr. Ortman and Darren and Alicia were able to use BDSM as a form of controlled therapy in a controlled environment, and David was able to eventually uh, do the difficult but beneficial work to get his voice back and become comfortable speaking uh, without uh, the stammer publicly. Now, I was explaining this story in this chapter to 
a friend of mine, and we're going to call her Red. And upon explaining the story to her, it really resonated with her due to the things that she went through as a child. Now, Red, as explained to me, starts seeing a therapist as a last resort as she had already had her suicide mapped out in detail, doing the work with the therapist, tapped into other things that she did not expect. They started to explore her phobia of vomit. Now, after Red's therapist had been seeing her for a while and knew a little bit about her backstory, Red discovered her mom was a narcissist, I should add, when her therapist dropped a line about children raised by narcissistic parents and her mind was blown. They ended up doing trauma work and PTSD work and discovered her dead shell self watching a relative vomiting profusely for days in a row and dying. This was the root of the obvious. However, it started to click when she was asking questions about her fear of her phobia and an upcoming plane trip. The idea of anyone seeing or hearing her started to trigger Red's bigger thinking. Red's therapist asked if she had gotten sick as a kid, which she had once with a stomach virus, as all children do at some point. Red's mom wouldn't come into the room to care for her or even that side of the house where she was at. The feeling of isolation and vulnerability and being unloved like a leper of sorts The same mom that would send her to her room if Red cried or showed any emotion. This is the same mom that would make Red change her clothes if she dressed with any form of expression or creativity. The same mom that wouldn't let her dye her hair or cut her hair a certain way until she did it defiantly in high school. The control issues over how Red was allowed to present and express herself with the abandonment as if she was ill. Another factor is Red's mother would threaten to send her away to places like boot camps for bad kids if Red misbehaved in any way or if her grades slipped. Red had to keep it in, keep it together, and not be heard in order to survive. And the boys in school commented that Red was better when she didn't talk, or she could be pretty if she dressed normal, and this all contributed to her trauma from different directions. Red found herself at a place of extreme anxiety that started around eight or nine years old and became unbearable and affected her ability to function By 18, she started getting medicated. It all focused on the pressures and expectations to be quiet, to be good, not be seen, don't get sick, don't be heard, to fit the unattainable mold. If Red wanted to be loved, which was a goal she thought that was out of reach, but she was always chasing to get that love from her narcissistic mother, she had to fit the mold. Add that to the trauma of watching someone die a prolonged and violent death when she was young that nobody ever talked about afterwards. And Red had a multifaceted trauma-based phobia that presented itself in a completely unexpected way. Still to this day, Red can't sing in front of people. Even if she goes to a show with 10,000 people there singing along where nobody would hear her, she still can't. She's still working through that. 
to this day. Now, not to be outdone, because it's not a competition at all, I was speaking with a friend of mine, and we will call him Lee, about this whole entire um, kind of chain of events. And it led him to wanting to kind of share a bit of his story, which was a fantastic share and a very brave share, but he is uh, very comfortable sharing it now. Uh, He is somebody who works with and uses plant medicine, and I never pronounce this correctly, so if I mispronounce it, by all means, send me some bad emails. Uh, Ayahashka, hopefully I pronounced that right. Uh, a plant medicine uh, for several years now he's used to work through various parts and situations and issues in his life. And he's actually, um, he listened to the episode with Zachariah Stone and was like, oh, now yeah, that we have that in common using uh, plant medicines for therapeutic purposes. So about five years ago, he was saying that in one of these ceremonies that last about four days, in the four days, you're addressing issues that come up during the journey. And he would always set a good attention on what he would want to work through. And usually when he would go and have that intention, he'd be able to uh, uh, kind of dive into it, identify it, start addressing it, uh, come to terms with it, understanding it. At first, as he said, it would throw him off a little bit because normally the problems that he would have would seem larger that, that would take longer than one night to resolve. Later, he learned that the quick resolution of the primary issues always makes room for the much deeper work in the later days. Peel back some layers, get to the deeper layers, eventually find the root, and then you see how far down the root goes. So in one particular night, he came to one of the ceremonies to mend a broken heart. On the first night, all of his issues regarding his past breakup were put behind him. And though the first night was difficult, he had no idea what was to come after that. The second night, he set his intention on honoring his body. A little backstory about him. He's been overweight since around the age of 12. Before that, he was very active, slender child. But he wanted to get to the root of his weight gain and what kind of sustain that and over the years uh, and he wanted to have a much healthier outlook on his body and his life. So at the start of the second ceremony, he drank his first cup of medicine and with it, anybody that's taken a, a, a psychedelic before he knows it takes a little bit for it to kick in about an hour, he started to feel it. So he went back to the altar for another cup. Now, as he pointed out to me, the medicine usually feels a little bit uncomfortable at first and it takes a warrior spirit to take down a second or third cup. Knowing he had deep work to do, he went for the second cup. And after sitting back down in his seat, sitting there in the dark and the silence of the ceremony, he said about 15 minutes after that second cup, he started seeing all these constellations in his head. And he could see um, like time folding on itself, like he was flying through the universe. And while in flight, he said he came upon a wormhole that he descended down and while down in the tunnel, he started to see animated images or memories of his life flying past him. Each memory he said was accurate. And to his surprise, he was able to kind of analyze each image 
without judgment, more observation, curiosity. None of the memories made him happy or sad. He was there observing. But at the bottom of the wormhole, he stopped in an image they said looked familiar, almost as it was uh, like watching a movie or someone else's life. Now, this image was actually an image of his father abusing his mother, punching her in the face. And he said normally the thought of this would have made him really frightened, but at that particular moment, he didn't feel anything. He was just observing the violence unfolding in front of him. And as he witnessed it, the visual started to subside, and he was just left with his thoughts just to ponder that image that he saw. And he wondered, why did I see that? He had forgotten that memory for a long time. But when he was a child, it was a daily thought of seeing this. Seeing his father being violent with his mom struck fear into his heart, and he buried it up until that point. And he even said that he was really surprised at how long it had been since he thought of that uh, memory. So while in his thoughts, he said, he started to piece together the puzzle of his life, and he had an epiphany which uh, shook him to his core, you know, or they say, bring you to your knees. He had the realization that his weight gain happened directly after witnessing the violence of his mother. And he realized that his body was building armor to protect him from the unsafe environment that he was in as a kid. That realization just you know, knocked him to the floor. He ended up you know, sobbing for a good hour or so. The thoughts didn't necessarily make him sad, but it gave him clarity. It made him feel lighter because he had an explanation as to why he had this issue continually through his life. After the ceremony, he realized that the incident that he, that he witnessed that shaped his life in more ways than he could explain, knowing that the ceremony helped him take action on the problem areas of his life has helped him go through the process of accepting and loving who he is and accepting his body and loving his, his body. And it turned him into a stronger person because of it. Because once he was able to get to that layer and understand what it was and the effect that it had on him, he was able to process it and, and start the integration and the acceptance of that. And this is what the episode is, is identifying those past traumas any way that you can, uh, whether it be through you know psychotherapy, whether it be uh, through plant medicine, there's a variety of ways to do it that people do it in healthy ways to get to that root. When you're able to, as we say, once you're able to identify the root of the shadow, once you're able to get down in it and see it and, and not with judgment, but acceptance and embrace it and go, this is the part that needs that attention, that needs that compassion, that needs that love. Whether you go into it being highly afraid of it or not, it going into it with the intention of, I want to heal this, not bury it, but heal this part of myself. Then you can start moving forward. And this is the whole basis of what we talk about on Hero and the Villain is understanding these dark parts of ourself in order to bring them to the surface so we can accept them and, and deal with them and work through them and 
make them a part of our lives to better our lives. So the stories that Red and Lee shared with in conjunction with the Darren Alicia story that I read as well, all tied together. Past trauma, buried, unsure as to why things have been affecting them in their adult life. And as adults, doing the work, even with a little bit of fear, but doing the work, whether through counseling, therapy, plant medicine, with the available options that are out there, I'm sure my listeners, and I thank you for listening, might have something. And they know it's there, and they're not really sure all the details behind it. But we're always going to encourage you to look at it and do the work. And if you can't look at it with an open set of eyes and an open heart, to find somebody that can help you with that. Because, of course, I want you all to be able to work past those things and become stronger in the long run. So there you go. I like sharing these stories of our listeners. Uh, The two that shared, you are brave, you are strong, and I'm so happy that you uh, not only shared that with me, but were brave enough to allow me to share it with the listeners that are listening now. So anybody out there that can identify with this stuff, send me a direct message. I'd, I'd love to talk with you about it and help in any way that I can. So there you go. Hero and the Villain, new episode in the books for you. We got more on the way. Thank you for checking us out. Stitcher, Google, Spotify, Apple. We appreciate you listening and streaming. We will talk to you soon. <laughs>